welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 168. Let's roll. And welcome to the People's Dynasty Show. That is for sure, man. I am absolutely loving the feedback and, you know, just keep just keep grinding out shows to try and make the very, very best show that people want here in Dynasty Land. And, you know, I don't know what the hell y'all want. I, I mean, I do know you want to be paid when you win your leagues, though. That much has been learned over the last week. I mean, many of you, many of you listeners potentially are not on Twitter and are not in the, you know, Twitter sphere of Dynasty and fantasy football, but my, oh my, there was this huge, you know, what, what do you want to call it? Uh, you know, issue with, you know, one guy paid into a league and they, he recorded the phone call. I mean, unbelievable drama and entertainment on Twitter this week over league dues paid and then winnings not paid back. What a douche though, who didn't pay the winnings. I mean, you just got to do that. You just pay you know, that's why I love League Safe. When I was managing leagues, I would take the money in, collect money, and I didn't spend it, but yeah, I'd spend it. It's in my account. I don't know. And then at the end, I'd be like, fuck, I got to, so I'd pay out of my bank account. I, I hated that shit. That was the worst things. I hate that. League Safe, you get free advertisement from me because it's the easiest thing in the whole world. But uh, we're going to get to some of that stuff and more. Um, we're going to, it's mostly a show this week about Taylor Swift. That's all we're going to talk about. It sounds like the jury is out and uh, and everybody just wants to see and talk about Taylor Swift at football games. That's that's the sense I get what, by, by being on social media. I don't know about you people, but I don't think so. Actually, though, this is the time of year in all reality and in all seriousness that I, I see a lot of startup drafts happening. And I see a lot of people showing their teams and, you know, they're like, what do you think of my team? And. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know because I'm not seeing any future first round picks. I don't even see your picks. I'd like to see what you're doing in the trade market. Look, my goal when I'm doing a startup is to move around that board. And my guest this week is not really a guest. He's my partner here at the Undroppables. And one of the best, if not the best, the best I know, dynasty player in the world, Mr. Chalk. So I'm going to bring Chalk out. We're going to talk dynasty startup strategy and much, much more. Mr. Chalk, are you ready for the for school to be out here? I'm ready for class. Let's go. Ready for class. Let's do it. What did you think about the uh, the hubaloo about uh, you know the league uh, payment and all that? I mean, our league, our, our I mean, our uh, our DMs are whatever you want to call it. What what is what am I talking about? Our, uh, our, our, group, our group DM, our, group our, our team, yeah, yeah, our group chat, yeah. On fire about this stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, I think we just found it just flooring, like you had said. I mean, it's just ridiculous. As yeah. most people know, or maybe a lot of people don't know, I commissioned quite a few leagues myself, um, all run through League Safe. Um, and for me, I'm a stickler about collecting the buy-ins. You know, if you trade picks, like I'm going to be hounding you, like the tax collector. But, you know, with that said, when it's time to pay out, I, I literally take the day off. So like the Monday after the Super Bowl or when, when everything is said and done, like after the, you know, championship fantasy Week Super 17 Bowl. Or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Monday after, I usually take the day off. 
uh, from work. And it sounds ridiculous, but you know, if I have eight hours to sit down at my desk and crank through you know, payouts and you know, just cleaning up leagues and, and, all, and all that and figuring out who's leaving, it gives me a good head start and it feels good to do that. So yeah, if you're a commissioner, yeah. like why wouldn't you, you don't have to take a day off, but why wouldn't you make an effort to make it a good experience? That's why you're a commissioner. People have given me, you know, grief about, you know, you know, commissioning and this and that, but you know, ultimately it's, it's about giving a good experience. So, yeah. um, yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just embarrassing that that's, that's people amazing, are going to, yeah, that's amazing. You know, talk about a contrast, you know, my man here, you know, works at Seven Eleven part-time and takes that whole day off. Uh, no, but I mean, really, I mean, at the end of the day, the difference between taking a whole day off of work to making sure everybody gets paid versus, you know, uh, you know, Venmoing some dude a hundred bucks who you may never even hear from again is like, it, it, it is such a difference. And, you know, th- that's the one thing that Twitter has done. It, it Look, a lot of people will just join any league just because they're like, dude, I'll join with this guy. Be careful, be hesitant. You know, I've said no to a lot of leagues and a lot of them I've just done just because I'm, I'm, I'm offered too many opportunities and I'm grateful for all those people who reach out to me. I really am. Every single time I, I feel so bad saying no, you know, um, but I can't be in a, a thousand leagues or something. So, but be be careful of the leagues. If you're trying to get in a lot of leagues, still, you know, be be choosy um, because you only want to be in leagues that are going to be a fun to be in. You know that the, that the other owners are are fun to be around, and, and b that you know things are run right. You know, um, I commission things and I take it very seriously. And even though I'm, you know, honest and I have integrity. I've still caught myself in a few moments where like I've had people leave leagues and stuff. I mean, look, it's not perfect. So you really got to work very, very hard to make sure those leagues are run correctly and people are not too pissed off about a a difference of opinion or some other, you know, bad trade, yada, yada. I mean, you know, get good rules, make sure there's bylaws and, and for God's sakes, play on league safe. Um, It just makes, I mean, I can't even tell you how much happier I am with league safe because I can just, Press the button, the money goes out. It's it's just fucking delightful. Um, I did I did enjoy the phone call though. Did you hear the phone call? The, the, yeah, that, that was uh, crazy, man. I mean, dude, I mean, I some was... of that stuff was just crazy. The phone call was crazy, and then the fact that like you know, homeboy was like like re- like video recording like the phone call on speaker yeah. and like showing, like, and then like there was a screenshot with like people's addresses. It was just yeah. like, come on, come on. This is the internet. You don't need to be putting people's home addresses on the internet. I mean, that's just crazy, man. I mean, and then yeah. the whole, like, the guy on the phone call, like, th- threatening his family. And his, like, I mean, come on. You're going to threaten someone's family? Come on, bro. Like, over, over fantasy money, man. It's not and even what a like it was. He goes, I'm not paying you nothing until you act like a gentleman. It's like, wait, what? You owe me money. I, I don't have to act like nothing. Once you pay me the money, then you can say it. Yeah. If you owe me money, you just straight owe me money. I can act however the fuck I want. You owe me money, <laughs> right? Like my actions. My, That's crazy. You know, I could act like a fucking crazy person at my own fucking, just pay me my goddamn money. So th- that had me going, but you know, I, whatever, you know, there, there was a lot of name calling in the league and a lot of like just nefarious activity. Nobody could get together and be like, no, 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 no. Hold on. I got it. You know, nobody did that, which is I find that to be very odd. Like I, I can't even really put my head around being in a league like that, where all of a sudden it's like, nope, everybody is threatening to kill one another over. Yeah, but over I mean, it's, it's, 
it's a perfect storm like you just got like the right people just to like because they're all kind of crazy right like each yeah. each one of them i i there's been kind of issues like you've seen yeah. with these people or whatever or that one guy the commissioner apparently had like yeah. six lawsuits and all kind yeah. of crazy criminal record like yeah i mean goodness gracious man it. maybe there it. should be hey. a background checks maybe we'll start a background check service for uh, commissioners oh, yeah that's the next thing yeah, league safe and fucking, you know, deputy safe or whatever. I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need your social security number to join my league. It's like renting a fucking house. Yeah, I'm going to need a credit application. Uh, background, background. Just fill out my credit application and uh, we'll make sure. I mean, honestly, it's fucking crazy. Some of these leagues, though, you know, 250 500 bucks, you know, 1500 bucks. Obviously, you really need a, a service for that. But I do know some people who play in private leagues for you know i mean i know some i mean i don't mean to brag but i know some former you know uh you know uh major league baseball players and you know fucking rock stars and shit they play for like 10 g's you know what i mean and it's yeah, like yeah. they're just fucking loaded or whatever but i'm sure there's a couple people in there where the, the money's like a little bit over their head and like you have like a hundred and twenty thousand dollar prize pool like you kind of need a place to keep that shit is all i'm saying but, yeah yeah you, you, know, you guys play for a hundred bucks just settle fuck down you know yeah, yeah, 100%. All right, man. All right, man. Well, next week, Chalky, we got um we got uh, Thor Nystrom who's currently at the Senior Bowl and I I've had him on like live from the Senior Bowl. I think you remember a couple of those shows. Those are fun, but uh, I really wanted to give him the week to like get everything together, get back home, you know, do his thing. We're going to do a full a full show next week on the Senior Bowl. So for those looking for for that stuff from me, I'm going to kind of shelve it a little bit. I've got a couple of players I might bring up here a little bit, but for the most part, I actually kind of want to hold off on it. I think there's a lot of cool stuff going on at the senior bowl. And there's probably a couple of players that we're going to want to keep an eye on, but I'm, I'm in no rush to do that. I really want to talk to Thor. I want to hear what, you know, was happening on the ground. I want to hear how the one-on-ones went. I want to hear all of it, you know, and, and we're going to get that next week with Thor. And this week, you and I are going to talk about a couple of things, but we're also going to hit one of the biggest topics I think that people are looking at this time of year. And it's not too soon because there's startup drafts going and that is startup strategy. You know, we've done a couple of shows on startup strategy, you and I, and I think it's really, really important to kind of hit. Um, but I'm going to hit all that and more right after this. Welcome back to the programs. Chalk, we, we promise startups, startups it is. And so I, you know, I don't want it to be too long a show, but I feel like we can't start this conversation without starting at the top. So, you know, first order of business is to check the check the ground ground rules, right? What are the yeah. rules? What are the scoring? Like how you know, I you know, Scott Connor talks about this all the time. Our friends over at Destination Debbie with Ray G and Scott Connor talks about it. You know, what type of league are you looking at? How many, how many managers? How many roster spots, how many starting lineups, you know, how many position groups, right? You have to identify that first and foremost. And some people might say, well, I guess, but really why? Well, maybe you could even start a little bit as to why you want to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so many nuances based off of the settings of a of a league, right? So, I mean, you right. could start off with even, you know, what are the scoring settings, right? Yes. Um, you know, like, is it PPR, half PPR? Is there a tight end premium? Like, what's the premium? Is it, you know, only a half point? Is it a full point? 
right? Because those small little things make a big difference. I mean, there's points per carry, points per first down, uh, passing touchdowns could be four or six points. I mean, those are like all these little nuances, right? And based on any of the changes of those settings, it's going to dramatically or could dramatically change the value of the product per- production of those players. Right. Uh, right. So like that's first and foremost, you want to understand that. And then kind of what you talked about in terms of like how many roster spots, how many starters, right? Like someone like yourself, you're notorious for wanting really deep starting lineups, deep leagues, yeah. um, you know, and like, uh, you know, kind of nuanced scoring settings. Right. And, and, and yeah. there's reasons for that because, you know, it punishes people who don't pay attention. Right. Yep. It rewards people who are strategic and and, and also, in a way, it balances the playing field if everybody really understands the mechanics of the scoring and the settings because, you know, maybe the tight ends, you know, are, are evened out. You know, running backs might be less less valuable, maybe, you know, so you never know. And that's yeah. how you approach the draft, right? Like positional value and scarcity. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I would say, yeah, I think that's a, a good point. You know, I, I want to ask you, though, um, yeah. you know, when you're looking at, especially nowadays, right, like when you're in these startup drafts, you know, have you seen people like with the rookie picks? I'm going to talk about the rookie picks yeah. and kickers, right? Like, let's say you're drafting yeah. rookie picks. Have you seen people go into drafts and not realize it? And like, you know, what would you say to people like that who don't realize that, hey, I, I, I could take a kicker for rookie picks and, you know, and, and they go into a startup not even realizing that maybe a few picks in or a few rounds in. Br- brutal if you if you miss that. Um, For me, too, I look at it like... <clears throat> You know, if I'm looking at those rookie picks, if they're in the startup draft, I like to really think about tiers, right? And cluster these guys together because I think you were in one and you ended up getting the 107. And I kind of wanted you to get the 106, but you didn't get there. You know, we were talking a little bit. You were asking me whatever advice, you know. Mm -hmm, And because mm -hmm. I think there's a tier at the 106 potentially that, you know, the three quarterbacks, neighbors, Harrison, Bowers, I guess a Dunze could be in there, but I do think it may be a slight step down. Although it, I, I mentioned to you, I said, look, Roma Dunze could go earlier and could kick one of those other six players to you anyway. So the seven could be valuable or, or whatever. Right. And things can change, you know, uh, you know, uh, through the, through the process where that, that, that pick changes value. But, you know, we, we were talking about it that way. I think even seven is kind of a, a value in and of itself. So I like that pick because, you know, once it gets after that, I think it flattens out a little bit. And sure enough, I think you got like the, the one twelve, the two, three, the two, five, the two, seven, because I was like, you can wait a little bit, but then I want you to hit those, you know, those picks later, because, you know, once you start getting into there, there look, there, there's a ton of players that have value in, on a team on a, on a roster that you could put in your lineup and score points, but you couldn't trade him for jack shit. And we know this. Like, you know, Jacoby Myers, just go try and sell Jacoby Myers for a second. People will be like, nah, you know what I mean? It, he's worth a second. I'm not saying he's not, but you're not likely to be able to sell him for anything like that. It's just, I'm, and I'm picking on him out of nowhere, but there's actually Cortland Sutton and blah, blah, blah. You know, just go on down the list. Gabe Davis, da, da, da. You know, all these players, you know, Roshan Johnson, that, you know, maybe one of them will sell, but it's not like you can just automatically sell the player. But you know what you can automatically sell is a pick. So a lot of times when I'm doing a startup draft, I want to sort of load up on on the picks that are, once I'm past the sort of premium assets, I just want to nail a bunch of picks because then I go into the, I'm still going to get some players, you know, eventually, and, and that 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 sort of tier that I'm talking about that's 
kind of valuable guys who play a little bit but aren't worth shit in the trade market. That's a deep tier of, of you know, probably player, I don't know, I'm guessing here, 80 to 150 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like in, in, in fantasy. Uh, and so those guys, you know, look, if I take player 90 or player 150, meaning if I'm picking in the 10th round or the 15th round or whatever, it's not that big a difference. So in those rounds, I'm probably just hammering, you know, late first, or, you know, in second round picks you know, until they're gone, you know, until I'm maybe at the 303, even then I'm starting to still, you know, put them in there, but then I'll just take some of those other guys that I still have some value uh, on my roster. Um, so I still have a full roster, but then come rookie draft, which is in four months, people are like, Oh shit, he's loaded up with all these picks and I can trade those for the guy that you took. Like if I took the 203 and you took a guy right after me, I could easily get that guy for the 203 when I'm on the clock. You know what I mean? With the 203, that 203 is going to gain value even between now and the draft. So I, I don't know if that answers some of your question, but it also expounds on it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, no, no that was great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think you made a really good point. You know, I actually pulled up one of these startup drafts that I'm, I'm hosting. Um, I'm not in this one, but kind of going back to, you know, the 107 that I had and you wanted me to get the 106. Yeah, I mean, you were like telling me you got to get the six. Six went a few spots before me. And I said, you know what, I'll just take the seven because by the time the next I pick again, I'll probably be in like the second round uh, yeah, of rookie picks. Pick. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, you know, I'm hoping that Roma Dunze, you know, shows out the combine. Maybe he kind of makes an argument. It makes people nervous. Uh, maybe you know Bauer slips a pick. I doubt it, and you know, and, you know we can get there later. Yeah. Uh, but you made an interesting point. You said Roshan Johnson. You kind of said like tenth round, and you know Roshan actually went eleven eleven. So at end of the eleventh round in the startup, right? Um, but looking around, like in the tenth eleventh round, there was four four rookie picks that went, and they're like they're they were in the mid second range, there right? They're like mid seconds, right? So it's like Roshan's. You got like Jameson Williams. Uh, Najee Harris, Zach Charbonnet, um, Kamara, Daniel Jones. I- I'm just kind of yep. picking and just kind of yep. handpick. But yeah, so it's like you super, want some of these guys to, to get the two or right? three for them, right? You, 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 right? you can't. Yeah, you can't. So I think you make a really good point that you definitely want to load up on rookie picks. To, you know, especially after like the premium guys are gone, right? The first, you know, eight rounds, maybe nine rounds. Uh, you know, depending if 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 rookie picks are going a little bit heavy up top. Um, but absolutely, I, I definitely agree there. And I also would say, you know, to be able to get, you know, I mean, this requires trading back, right? And we can get into yep. this, right? I know trading well, back is difficult, but, you know, if you're able to trade back, right? And and there, no matter what, there's ways to trade back. You might not be able to trade back your first round pick, but there's always a way because um, someone's going to want somebody. And, and if you're able to do that, this is where you're able to now either get more picks in the in those in those rounds right in those kind of mid getting to those like 9 10 11 12 rounds right that's where you want to maybe start stocking up picks and i see you do that all the time you you stock up picks in like the 8 to 12 range and it's yes. not to take players but it's just to smash picks right so then yep. you're probably loading up like a couple of firsts a few seconds in the early rounds and you're still getting some premium players and then you're like also have moved back and now you're loading up on a bunch of seconds and so then by the time you hit like round 12 your team is pretty filled like your starters are pretty set i mean most of it and then you got like five picks <laughs> so right. yes yeah and, that, and that, that that's exactly right I, I at the end of one uh draft i had done you know one of my you know friends was in in the league with me it was, it's actually the, the the hometown league i just did this uh 
uh, two, three years ago. I just won it for the first time this year, which was a lot of fun. But um, after the, 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 the startup, one of my friends was like, how the fuck does he have all the first round picks? And he's got a competitive team. This is bullshit. You know, he was so upset. He's like, how did you guys let him do this? You know, and ultimately, you know, especially when you're playing with people who are, you know, again, this was not an expert league. This was only people who could be here for a live draft. You know, we didn't do the, the startup live, obviously. That was a fucking big, big dog ask for a startup. But, you know, but we do all the rookie drafts live, you know, at my buddy's winery, fucking drinking and shit. It's fantastic. But, you know, the startup it was like I'm playing against guys who aren't as sharp, and so I'm able to squeeze even more value out of some of those trades. But even when you're doing it with people who are sharp, as you mentioned, it's very, very hard to trade back. The one thing I will say about that is that once you show yourself as the willing trade partner, people come to you for your pick. Like, you know, th- th- there's the thing. You ever, you, ever, you ever see it? I'm sure you have. You make a trade, you know, whatever it is. You trade from the – from the 109 to the to the 210 with somebody, right? And whatever you got was like this, that, and the other. I'm not even going to get into specifics, although I we kind of can a little bit. But then, you know, you see someone at the 201 trade back to the 301 or whatever for a very similar deal. You sort of set the market. And I've seen that so many times in leagues. People are like, oh, okay, well, there's a there's an example of what was seemingly somewhat fair, I'll do that deal too. And they sort of start to announce it. And and ultimately, every time I'm on the clock, people know I'm, I'm, I'm available for a trade. And I also say, like, if you have an eight-hour clock, you know, some, sometimes you'll get on the clock and someone's like, all right, you're up, dude, go. And you, you feel this pressure to pick. But maybe it's just the guy who told you to pick and you who know that you're on the clock because people are – doing their lives. If it's an eight hour clock, people are like working and like changing baby's diapers and like sleeping and doing whatever the fuck they do. And then, then all of a sudden they're like, grab their phone. They're like, what's going on here? If you're like, you know, sending a few DMS, Hey, picks on the picks on the block. If you want it, you know, all of a sudden they go and they're like, Oh dude, fucking dude is a Puka Nakua available. Dude, I'll fucking trade for this. Right. So like three hours has gone by. You thought the pick was not, you know, up. Nobody wanted it. It's not nobody wanted it. But they weren't paying attention. But, you know, they're they're not worried about paying attention to every single pick. But you wait a little, a little bit. Sometimes you can milk it a little bit. People also people get restless. Are you still up? What's going on? Well, I've got a couple of trades working. You know, you create your own market for your deal. A lot of people say, "Oh, I couldn't trade back." It's like you probably didn't try very hard to be honest with you. It wasn't important to you. And and I will just tell you, trading back is very very important. I think it's. It's it's the one of the most important things that you have to do in your startup draft. I want to trade back. I want to give you your opportunity to pick your player because I don't know who to pick. I'm not smart enough. You guys are all smarter than me. You pick the guys. I'll pick the guys that you leave behind and your first round picks from next year. Yep, exactly. And, you know, I love that. It's the people that say, I can't trade back. No one's going to trade back. I had a perfect example. That draft you were talking about that I was texting you like the whole way, you know, like, hey, what should I do here? Screenshotting, sending you, you know, sending you the uh, the link to the draft board, you know, sorry, Wiz and Marcus. And yeah. that Jackson's, uh, you know, in my ear the whole way. Um, but so I had the 101. So I, we did like the 100 uh, yard rush, you know, live stream. Uh, and then somehow, right. And I'm so glad I live streamed it. Right. I somehow I get one Oh one. Right. And the whole league's like, of course, right. Like this is ridiculous. 
Uh, funny enough, this is like one of the rare times I actually got one on one in all the leagues say, I've yeah, ever hosted. Yeah, it's like yeah, very rare. Yes. Any, anyway, so I got the one on one, and everyone knows I'm putting on the block, right? So I put on the block. Okay, hey, one on one's available, and of course, uh, you know, and this happens in every fucking start. One on two is available. One on three is available. One on four yes. is available. Like everybody's available, right? Like it's just the whole chat is just the the draft the trade block, right? Just everyone's putting yes. their picks on the block, right? Or like, all right, so I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, I'm gonna give it a day or two. And it was like two weeks before the startup, the actual draft. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a few, I'll f- give it a few days. And then like nothing, right? So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start DMing people. So I DM'd every single person in the league, right? Like I literally, and people wonder why do you do so many trades? I I literally DM and I send offers every day. I'm in like 30 leagues. I'm sending offers to 300 people every day, like every day, 300 people getting something, you know, like it's just, someone's going to bite 300. I get one trade. Hey, the percentage was terrible, but I got one really good trade. I'm going to post it on Twitter and people are going to be pissed. So anyway, so um, I'm DMing everybody about, you know, Hey, do you want to, do you want this pick? Do you want this pick? No, 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 no. One guy says, Oh, I'm actually interested. He's like the one Oh nine. I'm like, yes. Right. So then like, you know, start formulating this crazy deal. And he's like, Oh, it's kind of rich. I don't want to give up my 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 future first. I'm like, all right, fine. You don't need to get future first. I'll take your future second, and I'll take some pick swaps, and I'll take like an extra tenth or something, right? Yeah. And um, he's like, oh, this is actually pretty good. Let me think about it. I was like, I I kind of hate that because usually when they say they think about it, it's usually a no. Yeah. Um, like ninety percent of the time it's a no. But I have my hopes up because I'm like, oh, this is gonna be like one. I just need one, like like the 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 fire starter, right? The spark. Yes. Uh, I just need a spark, and it's gonna like light the rest of my draft on fire. It's all you need. And the guy comes back like the next day. He's like, oh no, I can't do it. I'm like, fuck, right? I'm like pissed. Draft's coming up. No one's biting, and I'm getting frustrated. I'm like. I don't even want to be in this fucking league anymore. No one wants to fucking trade me. Like literally, right. I'm like, I'm about to just fucking leave. I'm about to delete this shit. Like this is stupid. This there is so is. stupid. Like, right, right. So then, so then the draft starts. I'm like, fuck. I have to not to pick. Like no one's gonna trade up. And I feel like the minute I fucking press draft, someone's gonna like trade for the trade for the next pick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I take Josh Allen. No one really traded up in the first round. In the second round. I had like the last pick of the second round. No one was trading still, right? Dude, when I got on the clock, I actually was able to move that pick. Right. Like, like, like. so like, and then it happened, right? And then it was like, and then that same guy that made that trade with me, he kind of overpaid. And then obviously now he's a mark. Someone else targeted him and got the trade back and he paid. But then I'm like, dude, and so I just kept banging this guy over and over. I'm like, dude, right. I, like, hey, take this pick, take this pick. And he kept buying my picks. Yes. And then other people started buying picks, right? It's like, and then it becomes like, okay, right? Once one person does it or That's a couple right. of trades go down, then it just opens it up, right? But in That's the beginning, exactly right. it's not going to happen. Yeah, so you got to be patient, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. People people will start trading once the once the the seal breaks. And I'm also of the opinion like, you know, even if you want to say to someone something very small, like like, you know, you're at the 103 and you're like, dude, I don't care if it's Stroud, fucking Lamar or Hertz or whatever. Like whatever. Like let's just say you're completely level tier, right? You literally don't care. So you go to the guy at the 105. You're at the 103. You go to the 105. You're like, hey man, you want you want the guy? I'll I'll sell it cheap. You know, I'll give you I'll give you who you want cheap. And so sometimes you're just like you just make that trade straight up for like a second down the road. And it's like you don't you didn't care 
you, like honestly, you still probably will get the guy you like Lamar Hurts and and Stroud, and you're like, I, I honestly don't give a shit. It could be any one of them. Now I'm not using that as like I actually think that's a level tier, although it's kind of a good example. It's like I don't know. I'd have to think about that a little bit. But if that's how you feel, or like you're like I'm taking Herbert anyway. I'd rather have Herbert than all these guys, and he's not going till pick nine. Well, I can do that with the 105, and then maybe do it again with the 108. You know what I mean? And so sometimes you can make these little small little nothing trades that to you, you're getting free shit because you would really prefer to take Herbert at the 103, but he's going to be there at the 108. So you trade from the 103 to the 105, then the 105 to the 108. You picked up nothing but but two seconds and a third or something and moved up a couple rounds later on. Like that's great because you still got, quote unquote, your guy but you played the board. That's the other thing is like, once you start to engage with people, you can actually start to play the board in ways where people are like, dude, did you see he sold da 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 for only a second? That's a, Oh, I could, I could reach out to him, you know? And, and for you, it was nothing to someone else. It was like, that's a, I would move up if I needed to with him. And so you start the, the wheels turning for every other manager, even the non marks, to move up for quote unquote their guy when you're only moving within the same tier for profit. Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. Like mic dropped, <laughs> dropped the mic. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, I, 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 <laughs> I did drop the mic. I just, did. I did. I walk off. Hey, um, I, so I, I do want to ask. It is. It is. It is. But so, so since we're on this topic of like trading back, I, I do want to yeah. ask you. Would you would you trade back like fully out of the first three rounds of a startup draft or even the first two rounds like fully just I mean you're basically punting completely the first year um you yes. know for whatever reason it might be would you do that um yes. and, and 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 when and when and why well, yes but I would need to get I think I forget if it was Jordan McMurray or Scott Connor one of them had talked about this but I think they Maybe it was Jordan. It doesn't really matter, but I've done this where I've literally pushed it so far. But you have to get paid. I always say, look, if you're trading the 105 and you're moving back to the three fucking 10, I need a lot, you know? And so sometimes you can really and, and it's funny because you can kind of cripple that other that other manager because they think they're making such an immense move, right? So they're thinking. I'm going to take my three whatever. I'm going to move myself. Let's say they've got the 105 and they're going to they're going to get the 104 and the 105. Let's just say where now they're thinking, dude, I'm getting Hertz and Stroud or Stroud and Lamar, or whatever the case, right? They're like fucking mic dropping in their head. They're like that is the key to me dominating this league for years. So they're thinking of it, and I don't even have to give up my second round pick. So I actually keep my second, so I get Justin Je- not Justin Jefferson, whatever, Puka or whatever. I can still fucking blah, blah, blah. So they're moving from the third to the thing. Well, then you say, yeah, I need your, you know, your next year's first round pick. You In a sneaky way, you make that next year's first round pick worth a lot because you then also have to kind of crush them with mid-round picks, you know, fifths, sevenths, ninths. 11th, something like that, you know, where I'm going to get all that sort of thing. And you're not all those picks, but like you're moving back everywhere there Mm -hmm. and I'm getting extra picks. So I'm going to get your first round pick and then I'm moving my 
you know, my 15th, my 20th and my 11th to like the fifth, seventh, ninth or something, you know, something to this crazy degree where then I'm picking, you know, twice in the fifth, twice in the seventh, I'm fucking building a team and I'm going to have to just be creative at quarterback, which is not hard. I can pick, there's a, there's a, you know, go ahead and read the second round of any fucking startup draft right now. And you're going to hear Dak and Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, there's going to be guys in that second round. So you can still get a couple of guys, you know, in the second and third round or, you know, get one guy early and then, and then you, you, you still build this team, but you actually build the super team. Now, one caveat to that though, I'm only doing that in a deep, deep format. If this is a shallow, you know, start eight to 10, you know, with a 10 to 10 to 12 team league, fuck that. I'm not doing that shit because I don't need that many picks. What do I need, you know, 14 starters for when I'm only going to start eight. So this is only in a situation where I know it's going to be quite deep. Um, and my depth, uh, you know, throughout, a you know, you know, three starting wide receivers, four flex and a super flex. It's like, holy shit, dude, you know, I'm starting a, a stud in my fourth flex where, yeah, you're getting an advantage or, uh, over me at the quarterback position, but I'm just killing everybody in those four flexes. So it's, 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 it's roster based. Yeah. I love that. I, I see. It kind of brings it back to your original point, right? Knowing settings and all that, right? Like understanding the mechanics of the roster and how you're going to construct it and all that. I think that's, I think that's a really good point. I love how you tied yeah. that back, um, you know, t- to the beginning, uh, you know, when we started talking about this. Cause um, I know you've done the same thing, you know, I've seen, yeah. you know, you just like, and you just continuously make small trades too. I think that's a, something that people, you know, think, oh, if I trade back, I have to trade with a big trade. I need to get there first and a bunch of stuff. I need to do it right now. It's like, no, 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 settle down. Find out the the need. You know, you just basically are communicating with each manager. You might go a couple of picks and be like, you know, all of a sudden you realize like this guy and that guy know each other and they're picking ninth and seventh and you pick fifth and you're like, Hey man, you want to fucking leapfrog motherfucker? You know, I know he's going to take your guy at seven. You want to fucking boom, boom, boom. I'll go to the ninth pick. You go to the fifth. Give me a, I'll give you uh my third for your second in the rookie draft or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, I'll do that. Whatever it is, you know, I'm just making shit up now. But you're now just playing the board and playing all the opponents who are playing each other and just finding out what it is that they they value so that you can just extract value from what they value, right? Give them what they value and they give you what you value, which is, look, I just want value. I know, uh, you know, they value the, the ability to pick sooner than some other motherfucker. I'd almost never care about shit like that. Like I'm looking at, at tiers, you know, and you know, one of the, one of the tiers that you look at early in a super flex is that premium, you know, quarterback tier. And then the set, you know, maybe it's the same with a, a you know, a super tight end premium, you know, a two point tight end premium. You want to make sure you have maybe one or two or, you know, you like to have a couple of those tight ends because they can outscore running backs, wide receivers, and even quarterbacks sometimes in those formats. So, you know, depending on how they're set up, if you can get, you know, Laporta, McBride, Hawkinson on your team, you can really be set up. So it's all a matter of playing those scoring settings and then trying to find a way to craft your best lineup. Um, you know, there it is. That's simple as that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so, so you did bring up something interesting, which kind of reminded me of like the startup meta that I've been like toying with in my head, which is, you know, 
uh, Superflex, right? So 12 teams, Superflex, uh, you know, uh, Dynasty League. And, you know, I've always been the type that's like, I want I want two quarterbacks to start. Like, you know, yeah. if I'm not going to trade back in the first two rounds, you know, I want a Stroud or Burrow or Hurts, you know, of course, yeah. Allen. You know, I, I want an elite quarterback in one. And then I want a Kyler, Dak, you know, Trevor Lawrence right. type. You know, be, years past with Deshaun Watson as yeah. my second quarterback in year two. And then to your point, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be set up for years to come. The next 10 years, I got two solid quarterbacks, super flex. It's going to dry up quick. Um, but lately, and I, I, I've been that way for a long time. Uh, yeah. And I was a type, even even early on, I was a type that was like, I'm going to hoard all the quarterbacks. Not even just take two, I'm going to take a bunch. And then and then after a while, I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's not a good idea because now I'm like just sitting on quarterbacks. And, you know, at a certain point, like, you can move them yeah. for a premium. But if you don't, then now you're sitting on it, right? So then, yeah, it's true. you know, then I'm like, okay. You know, then I'm like, maybe I'll just go in and just get two really strong quarterbacks. But now, you know, after this season too, like me looking at some of my championship teams and, you know, really analyzing like, you know, do I really need a second elite quarterback to win? Like, does that really make a huge difference? And like the opportunity cost of not taking a Brees Hall or a Pukunukua or a uh, St. Brown or, you know, you know, like, I mean, like, like, or even if a CD lamb fell somehow, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like, like not having, or Garrett Wilson, even like not having a, really strong quarterback, a really strong young receiver, like elite and having that foundation. Like, what do you think about that? Like, I, I don't, I haven't decided if that's the way I want to change, but that's where I'm yeah. leaning now. Well, it's, it's funny because, you know, if you remember in the big game, um, during the startup, I told you that Hilo, Hilo, I guess that's how you say his name, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Right. Hilo was killing it. He had like, fucking waddle and amon Ra and like cd lamb and like i was like dude his fucking team oh my god how am i gonna beat him look at this fucking wide receiver core he just boom 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 and then he took yep, like yep. late quarterbacks i don't remember now i'll have to go back but it was like kirk cousins and daniel jones whatever i don't even think mm-hmm, of daniel jones mm-hmm. it was like i don't remember who it was it doesn't matter it was just so like he geno smith maybe or something i don't remember i was like but he had like he, he had starting quarterbacks he was gonna get quarterback points in his quarterback spots and then dominate the league everywhere else. And I was like, dude, he's winning this fucking league. You know what I mean? I remember. And, I remember. And I was like, dude, that is so good. I'm so fucking pissed. He beat me, you know? And of course, I beat him in the finals. So I won the fucking thing. But my point, I'm I'm just I'm just saying. But his team was that good. And 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 his team was good because he just went after just stud wide receivers. Now, his team is kind of set for a long time because of these stud wide receivers, but he might have some fragility at at quarterback where it could just dry up and be done where he's got to like make a move to get a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? They're not easy to get. Like it's easier to fill in wide receiver production. So it's a tenuous decision. I I do think that at least, you know, I, I look, you do want two quarterbacks that you can depend upon, whether it's, you know, uh, what's a good example? Hey, look, Trevor Lawrence right now. I mean, it's like he's kind of fallen off a little bit in terms of value, but like, where is he going? You know what I mean? He's he's not going anywhere. Like, he's going to be a starting quarterback for fucking how how long? Like, what when is Trevor Lawrence not going to be a starting quarterback in the league? Like, the shortest you could imagine. Like, 
I don't know. It's a long ways off, right? So like yeah. even a guy like him is like at least sturdy, you know? Um, you know, I think in that league I picked Purdy, I think, too, or something. Like, you know, you just got to hit on quarterback sometimes. Oh, that might be a different league. Doesn't really matter. Uh, uh, but like, you know, it's like if you can if you can gain stability, Kirk Cousins has been that guy over the long haul because he's been in every startup you've done, Kirk Cousins is like fourth, fifth round, whatever, like, you know, not a not a premium asset. You can get him pretty easily. But yet then you have like top 10 quarterback play for year over year. So if you have Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, and Kirk Cousins, it's better than, you know, you know, Herbert. Deontay Johnson and you know what I mean? It's just better. So you really just want to sort of stack those points, but you got to be careful playing the game of chicken at the quarterback position. That's all I'll say. But yeah, I think I agree with you. If you can, you know, if you can find the right sort of quote unquote late round quarterback, sounds like JJ Zacharyson was right all along motherfuckers. Yeah, right. I mean, you said Brock Purdy and, you know, yeah. I mean, Brock Purdy was waiver wire, right? I mean, you know, there there's going to be some guys that are going to go late round. Um, yeah. I mean, Matt Stafford, I mean, in this Matt startup, Stafford. he went in like, in the, you know, like he was going super late. Now he's going yeah. like in the 10th round, but last year he was going like 12th round or something like his ADP was low. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think it is dangerous to like, so I'm not, I'm not saying like, just punt quarterback altogether, but you know, no. for me, I, I feel like there has been at least a, a process shift somewhat of like not necessarily needing like two elite quarterbacks up front. I mean, have one anchor for sure, right? You want one, you know. Consider, you know, see what's out on the board. Um, you know, as you get into round two, if if you have that pick, um, I I regret not taking. Um, who did I take? I think I didn't take Brees Hall at the end of the second um, yeah. in the in the league I was in, and and I totally regret that um, because it was like, damn, like now I, now like I don't have a really solid skill position player out there, and I was kind of chasing for a while. Um, made some moves and make up for that, but yeah, that was my thought process there. Yeah, and 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 for me, like I I wrote the you know the dynasty startup article, one of my first articles I ever wrote, and probably not age that great but at the end of the day like the one thing that we were saying and i was saying at that time was build your team around young stud wide receivers and i I still agree with that because they're more likely to hold value year over year and for longer than young stud even running backs you know i mean you know let's face it, you know, some of these running backs are here today, gone tomorrow, whether it's Dalvin cook who falls off very quickly, but you know, Mike Evans didn't, you know what I'm saying? It's like that. I know that those are just two single examples, but you can find a lot of them that sort of follow that same type of pattern. So, you know, Aaron Jones and fucking Keenan Allen, whatever, you know, keep going. Right. It's like, you know, so for me at some point, Aaron Jones was a more valuable asset at a younger age than Keenan Allen, but not not anymore so to speak and and certainly you know he's still like what five years <laughs> so it's like you know i want to lean into you know young wide receivers and i want to sort of do my very best to secure my quarterback room you know without uh, without having to trade up to do so i don't want to do that you know as much as that sounds like a great plan and i'm not i know some of my contemporaries i i, I think you know, a couple guys out there sort of advocate for this. And it's not the worst decision, 
But to me, it really can handcuff you unless it's a really shallow super flex league. If it's shallow and super flex, sure. Yeah, if it if it's a start 10 super flex or some stupid shit like that, like, sure, absolutely. What the fuck? Who cares? You know, do what you need to do without giving up your, you know, in this case, 25 first or 24 first, whatever the case, you know, your first round pick to go get, you know, two, two um, top 10 quarterbacks. Sure. But I much prefer looking later, like even Baker Mayfield right now or last year. But there's going to be another Baker Mayfield. Look, Deshaun Watson's the quarterback 20 right now. You know, you can you can wait to like the. Do you do you have where where Deshaun went? In, yeah, he's, in your he's going like in like six. He's like he's like going in the sixth seventh round right now. Dude, what the startups. fuck? Like it's ridiculous. Do you, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, like, in that range, you can get Deshaun, Bryce Young, Baker Mayfield. I mean, Kirk Cousins is going after all that. Stafford's going even later. Yes. Aaron Rodgers is going in like the tenth, eleventh round. Uh, Russell Wilson's going eleventh, twelfth round. Geno Smith's yeah. going like twelfth, thirteenth round. Derek Carr's in that Geno Smith range. I mean, yeah, like you know, once you hit like the seven through you know twelve range, like there's another kind of batch of quarterbacks that you, yeah, maybe it's a one one year kind of rental, but hey, I'll get you through. You're gonna have a solid team, and yeah, to your point, right, like. You know, maybe get the anchor quarterback, you know, fade running backs early to the extent, you you know, you can. I mean, you should uh, stock up on those elite uh, receivers. I remember you talking about Hilo and, you know, obviously our teams in the last few years, we've been very wide receiver heavy. Like our, yeah. our teams are like three, four, like elite. You know, we have like three or four of the top 12, top 10 wide receivers on our teams. Always. Yeah. Uh, right. And it's like such a good feeling to have. Um, you know, if you have like four of them, you got like three in the wide receiver slot, and then you got one anchoring in your flex. It's like, you know, and then if you really need it in a pinch, you put that guy in the super flex because he's probably going to put up, you know, yeah. 18 points, 20 points, which is what, you know, someone like a Stafford or Daniel Jones might put up on any given week. So, yeah. Yeah. There's an uh, immense yeah. pressure to play quarterbacks in super flex spots. And I've seen, <clears throat> excuse me, some pretty sharp players, you know, leverage their depth. And say, you know what? I don't need a fucking quarterback. My team's good enough. I don't need to make some stupid ass trade. So, yeah, depending on how deep the league is and how how possible and viable it is for you to be able to play a position player in Superflex, some leagues way more than others. And so, yeah, you you know, DeAndre Hopkins is available super late. He's gonna, you know, he's as valuable as some quarter. He's as valuable as Derek Carr or whatever. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I mean right or somewhere in there they're not that much different so you know if you can if you can shove a guy like that into your into your super flex uh, you know spot it's it's not crazy so yeah it, it is funny how we tend to think oh i need a quarterback I need a quarterback oh my god you know it's like you do kind of but also you know it, when it push comes to shove if if the quarterback plan fails but you had depth you, you're still okay yeah absolutely and, and you know there's one other thing like just just thinking just looking at, i was looking at the board and just thinking about you know we're talking about trading back yeah um i mean you know what i like to do now uh i just did this recently was trade back right and do that do all that but as you get to like the 20th rounds you know like yeah. late late you know you're gonna have your guys or you're gonna have your sleepers so obviously you'll, you're gonna want to smash those but at a certain point, like as the rookie picks are drying up and you're like in like the fourth round rookie picks, and I'm like, I just want to get out of this draft. I'll start just trying to like, you know, move like, hey, um, I want to move up. I want to give up like five picks for like two of your picks. You know, I right. just start just giving away all my picks. And, yeah. um, you know, because like at the 26th, 25th round, like, 
yeah, like I'm gonna give up a Samaji P Ryan or a Damian Harris. Like I don't really care for those guys. Yeah, they might do something next year, but I'd rather just go and you know trade up for um, a Hunter Henry or you know yeah. a, a you know a rookie three one or something. You know, like just trying to move move out of these super late rounds. Yeah. So I kind of flip it right. So like as I get to the late rounds, I'm like I'm just trying to get out because I know people are gonna s- slip, let some sleeper waiver guys hit the hit the waivers or after the rookie draft, they're going to have to drop players anyway. So I'll just right. come and pick up some of those at the end. So uh, yes. I've been doing that lately as well. That's smart. That's yeah. it, it. It's a small edge, but it's a, it's a good edge. But I think also, you know, late in those drafts, I mean, definitely want to be smashing rookie picks as much as you can. Uh, we did <clears throat> last year, we did um, the big game with rookies in it. It was a later draft, which I think is fun too, by the way. You know, yeah, right yeah, after the rookie fun. draft, and because then you got to mm-hmm. fucking figure out where these guys slot in. And honestly, I, I really kind of, I feel like I faded the rookies big time in that draft because I was taking Gabe Davis, Jacoby Myers, and got like over. I don't know if I took them over Marvin Mims or whatever, but you know, I was taking those types of players over the types of players that are Marvin Mims. I don't think I took them over him, but you know what I mean. I think Marvin Mims was like round seven or eight, and those guys were like round yeah, nine yeah. or ten, but. Like in general, I was taking those types of players to help me win, which of course I did. But then late, it's like you know, you remember I made the the trade with Scott Barrett for you know the pick that ended Justin up becoming Ross. Puka Nakua. Yeah, yep, basically yep, traded yep. Justin Ross for Puka Nakua, and it was like I was like I kind of like this Puka guy. Remember, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like yeah, whatever man, round. Yeah. And you're like, that's a pretty good deal, dude. And I was like, you know, I mean, and it's crazy because you just never know. So those are like, you know, so late in the in the draft, just take fucking flyers on the rookie picks because, yeah, it's probably not good. Like you're probably getting nothing. You know, that's probably what you're getting. But if you can pick enough of them late in the late in the draft, you know, just start pick, 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 you know, you pick five or six of these rookies that are nobodies, but one of them ends up being a Puka or a Dell or, you know, anything, even a Dontavian Wicks, you know, you pick a Wicks and all of a sudden you're like, Hey, look, I can sell them for a second or third. You know, it's like, so those are the types of uh, ways I look at it. Most of the guys back there are shit bags anyway. It's like, you know, I think you said Samaj AP around what it's like, all right, dude, you know, you're not winning the league because, but you are winning the league with Puka. You know, and it's not like I thought, oh, this is a league winner when I picked it. It's just I was like, oh, some fucking rookie guy that might end up being good. You know, so, yeah, that that's the same philosophy that can lend you huge asymmetrical upside late in a draft, even if you're playing win now. Yeah, actually, two thoughts actually just came up because of that. So, and this is not why I've been accumulating thirds and fourths, but now I'm going to actually accumulate even more. Is yeah. is this? It's third and fourth round rookies picks are pretty much like worthless to most people because it, the hit rate is so low, right? Garbage. But yeah. but the, if you have a lot, if you have a lot of picks in those range, you're basically having all the swings at all the. Basically, you're like betting against the crowd at this point, right? Like yes. you're betting against the wisdom of the crowd. You're betting against consensus ADP or rankings or, you know, JJ and Jax and Chalk and, and Theo and, and Moose and Muzio and all, you know, all the homies are all saying that, you know, Pukunukua is a fourth round rookie pick or, or everybody's saying that, right? And right. It, 
that's what it was, right? And or sometimes he was undrafted. But basically, by having all these picks, you're just basically having more chances of being right when everybody else is wrong, including yeah. probably yourself initially, probably right? Because like, yep. yeah, right, yep. So like, like be ready to be wrong, right? So yep. the whole concept of why do we want these picks? Because I'm probably going to be wrong on these. I'm probably going to miss some really good players. These are my chances to not kind of recoup that, right? Like that's a chance to like actually not miss. Yeah, so the other thing I want to talk about was the Justin Ross trade that you mentioned because that was a very memorable top 10, maybe top five moment in you know Jack's chalk history where we were going back and forth, right? Like, yes. like we infamously do in all of our drafts talking about what the next move should be, right? We're in the war room. And, you know, because we have the intel on, you know, all the people in the big game, because they're all big names, you know, I said, take Justin Ross. You know, Scott Barrett's going to, like, flip. He's yeah. going to, like, want him, like, immediately or something. Like, he's going to want him. And you, you're like, okay, I, th- I think I want him because yes. I think you're right, you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do this. So you took Ross and immediately with, like, like clock, clockwork, awesome. he's, like, in your DMs, like, I want him. Right? Fuck. Like, fuck, I want him. Yes, he like, literally the, was it. Yes, dude, it was great. And that, that is, you can know your league mates like that if they're like your friends. You can know them a little bit. Like, I know you, you're funny, dude. You're so funny. I, I was like, oh, uh, you, you, we were in the war room talking about this draft that you were in recently. And I, I went to our rankings and I was like, oh, fuck, your rankings are here. You're like, yeah, yeah I take them yeah, down. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're like, I take them down when I'm in a. When I'm in a draft, motherfucker, I don't want anybody to see what I think. So, like, you know, you're like literally playing the the, the game, which is which is smart. And you know, Scott, I mean, Scott famously was you know riding for Justin Ross, and it was like he was coming up, and I'm like, look, because like it's like the twenty yep, something yep. round, you know, <laughs> excuse me. And so it's like there's nobody good, like there's no good players. You know, Puka's a fourth round rookie pick. He was there, and Justin Ross is there, and I'm like. I mean, I, I was like, I'm looking for upside. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, what are some upside plays? And you're like, I, I kind of like Justin Ross. And you're like, oh, yeah, take Justin Ross. Scott will fucking want him. And I'm like, I'll take him because I like him. And if Scott does want him, I'll make a trade. And so, of course, I pick him. And instantaneously in the in the group chat, he's like absolutely all caps swearing like, fuck. You know, so I'm like, all right, I, I we got him. You know, we were like laughing and high five and it was great and of course then he hits me up in the dms and we made a fair a pretty fair trade actually i think i squeezed them you, sque- you bit, squeezed right? the puka so like though I, right I, wasn't that was that it or was like no what i did was i i i i traded him that pick which was now justin ross for like his next round's pick right and we did a second third swap that's right that's right that's right draft. that's what you did yep did a second third, which by the way is like the two hundred two now because they lost Anthony Richardson and everybody, so it actually becomes the two hundred two. Don't say that too loud. I don't want anybody pissed off. But like, so I I, I swapped the two second and third and then moved back to like the next round. And he was like, "That's fine." He's like, "It's a little bit too much," but he's like, "Fuck it, I want Justin Ross." And I was like, "Yeah, it's fine." So I felt really good. And then the pick came along, and I was like, "Puka," and so it ends up being that you get this top five like. He didn't trade away Puka. Like you can never say he did that because he did not. That's a fucking that would be a lie. He traded some future, some you know, pick with Puka still on the board. But the thing is, is Puka wasn't Puka. He was just some fucking weird looking guy from BYU at the point. You know what I mean? And 
and and and yeah, there were some fans for sure, and he would have gone a lot earlier. And if Debo was <laughs> Debo was in the fucking draft, but you know he wasn't, and so ultimately he was there in the twentieth round, right around Justin Ross, and and we snapped him up, and the rest is history. But yeah, knowing your league mate and and picking someone sort of defensively was really fucking i mean it was a chef's yeah kiss man for sure. that was great man and um yeah that that little squeeze that you know that you did the second third right like and that brings it back to the earlier point that you made right the second third swap yeah. seems pretty benign you know but you know it's a silent yep. killer it, it could, could be, be one, one pick. pick it could it be could one, be pick. one pick. it could be you know, it could be the two twelve for the three hundred one, but it ended up being the two hundred two. Yeah, so it could be like twenty four picks or twenty something picks, right? It could yeah, be a lot of picks, right? So difference, yeah. So it was a pretty yeah. big difference. Yeah, they had a good team. They just received a lot of injuries and then tanked it. They obviously still owned their pick in the first round, so they were like, you know, I mean, they were not going to not tank because they don't have their second round pick. That doesn't mean they didn't really tank. They just couldn't they didn't make any more trades to fix their team after everybody got hurt it was like dude everybody's hurt like i don't remember who else but whoever got hurt in the nfl they had them on their team yeah. that was who they drafted you know aaron Rodgers. yeah and i mean like you know the justin ross pick and then the pick after like in the round after that the puka pick i mean realistically both of those chances of succeeding both of those players are like very nil um, yeah, and the value the trade was really yeah, just yeah. getting the second for the third. Like that was just like everything washes out in terms of like, pos- you know, probability of actually becoming something. Obviously, Puka was, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, lightning in a bottle. Um, you know, he caught that. Um, so yeah, that's awesome, man. But even even if I had done it third for fourth, mm-hmm. it still would be mm-hmm. a nice nice pick. You know, it'd be a nice move. Um, you know, the only reason I was able to do a second third pick swap or was because you know, they liked their team, which of course they should have because they had a good team. And it's a, it's a, it's a fuck it moment. Look, the, I always say like, and this is, this is like uh lessons for life. One Oh one, the worst reason to do anything in life ever is. Oh, fuck exactly. It. That's the, yeah. Right. That's the worst reason to do anything. Right. Like, but we do it all the time. We do it for small things. That was a small thing. So that's why he was like, now nah, fuck it. It's a small thing. And, you know, ultimately, you want to take advantage of the off fuck it when other guys are off fucking it, you know, and, and they're going to do it when it's like, you know, especially when there's a bit of fatigue in the draft, you know, even in the fifth, sixth, seventh round of a startup, you'll get a guy who's like, you know, he just doesn't want to grind out a trade. So like, that's good enough. I'll do it. You know, I want fucking whoever it is that they're trade DJ Moore in the fifth or what I don't know. I'm making shit up, but like, they're like, no, 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 I've got fields. I want DJ Moore. That's happening. Let's just do it. It's fine. I'll just do this. And it's fine. And you just win on the margins of that trade and they get DJ Moore, and it's fine. Everybody's happy. We move on. But the margins sometimes are the second, third pick swap where you get the 202. It just can fucking happen that way. So you want to just try to extract those bits of value as much as you can, you know, as many times as you can. It's it's tiring, honestly. Like, But if you're in only one startup or a couple leagues, it's, it's a different story if you're fucking running a bunch of startups. But I get to the point that I made at the very, very top of the show. It's like you'll see guys, and they just pick – they have like the one 103 and like the 210 and the 303 and the 410. And you're like, dude, you didn't move once? I hate your draft. I don't give a <laughs> fuck about your players. You suck. This is awful. Like, honestly, I that's what I think. I'm like, that's terrible. Like, why did you do that? You know, the, you're, you're literally, there's value in that league that is, someone else has it and you don't. 
and you have, oh, look at my good players. It's like, who gives a fuck about players? It's about getting value. And, and like the people who listen to this show and know, like, this is what it is. That's dynasty football. That's what it is. And it's just like, it's actually the same fucking thing as, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. When, when Bill Belichick was still alive back in the fucking 2000s when he was still living, um, he would trade back all the time. And, and we hate it. We'd be like, dude, this awesome players on the, on the board at pick 16. And, and he would trade back to like, you know, the early second round, pick up a, a second round and two drafts from now. And then a third round this year and a fuck. And you'd be like, what the fuck did he just do? But all he did was just gain a bunch of value. He just got a bunch of fucking picks and the guy he's going to take it two Oh two in the real NFL draft is no different than the guy who's going to take it one seventeen or whatever. You know what I mean? So like he was winning back then, you know, he was just winning. He was taking good players, creating depth in the draft and just crushing it by, and who knows? It probably wasn't even him, but you know, but you get my point. It's like, even in real football, that's how you gain value. That's how you build super teams. That's how the Philadelphia Eagles built their super team. You know, it's like, you just have to keep, you know, churning that value. So you know, it's the same thing in real football as it is in dynasty. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially in drafts, man. I draft for value all the time. I mean, that's that's what you do. Yeah. I don't like when people are drafting to like build a team. Or like, oh, I want to build a team to compete in January or February. Like, you're no we're not thing. we're not yeah. we're not we're not no going to play thing. the game for another seven eight months. Like, literally, like seven months. Like, you know. Yeah. Like a lot's going to happen. You know. Yeah, the, the only time I'll say that different to you sometimes, Chalk, like you're 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 texting with me, I'll be like, hey man, you need more wide receivers. Mm-hmm, Remember mm-hmm. that was the one thing I said, right? Because it was like a start three, three flex. I'm like, you know, I think it was like you had two good ones, and I was like, you got the 107, that's probably a wide receiver. And then <clears throat> excuse me, you, you kind of took a bunch of second round picks. I'm like, you should have some wide receivers there that but who knows if they're startable. So now all of a sudden you're looking at your starting roster. I'm like, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to fix that at some point. We weren't saying that means you must draft a receiver with your next pick. It was be on the lookout for value targets, and and that's the other thing too. I think when I'm in a draft, I'm thinking about drafting targets. You know, like that that that's what, where Jacoby Myers comes from. Nobody wanted to draft Jacoby Myers last year, but what did he have? He had like yeah, hundred fucking yeah, yeah. whatever. You know, it's like cheap hundred targets, like. You know, so it, you're looking to sort of draft those targets. Speaking of targets, I made a statement this week, excuse me, this morning, that I am, I am, I am so ready to put Malik Neighbors as my wide receiver one dude. He is so fucking good, man. Like I watched M- Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors film today back to back. I didn't watch everything, but I watched a couple of games. I watched some stuff. I just kind of, I just kind of watched, took a couple hours and watched some of them. And I will tell you that Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably as skilled a player as I've ever seen, like as gifted a, um, a technician as I think there really is. I, I don't think that. So that's where it's like, if you're a scout and you watch him, you're like, no, 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 that he's the best. And that's correct. He's, amazing he is absolutely fantastic like his body control he's deandre hopkins aj green out there like he's just so fucking good out there but this malik neighbors is faster than fuck 
He's unbelievable in the mid in the mid range game, and then he makes people miss. Like he is an absolute beast after the catch. Like he makes catches and he's gone. He's able to like he does that thing. Like you know, if you're playing Madden and like you, you like you know the absolute optimal angle to run the player at, where you're going to gain the very most yards. He does that. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You're like, oh, he's so good. Like he's just. Every time he has the ball in his hands, you're like, oh my God, that's such a good cut. Like, that's so exactly where you should run. He'll he'll press guys and like push his body into them to gain a few extra more yards as he's tackled. Like everything. It's like, oh my God, he's playing the video game as if it's perfectly played. And then he's the fastest, most skilled, gifted player. Malik Neighbors is so fucking good, Chalk. His numbers are great. It's it's gonna be one of those things where like I, I am not gonna be trading up to get Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't know what I'll do. If I have them both on the board, it's actually a quandary because I think we're going to look back and potentially, you know, one of these guys is going to be, you know, um, maybe a head or a shoulder above the other guy. And it could be Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm not here to say it's Malik Neighbors for sure. I'm just saying it's also possible that we move, we, 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 you know, we go forward and, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is like a rich man's George Pickens and Malik Neighbors is Justin Jefferson. That's in the cards, right? It's like, I'm not saying that Marvin Harrison is going to fail, but it's like he could be just sort of a a really, really good outside receiver who's probably the best technician out there. But I don't know, what if, what if he gets drafted? You know, Ray said it last week, what if he gets drafted to the Patriots? And you're like, oh my God. Like, you know, it's like there's certain spots, Tennessee Titans, you know, A.J. Brown treatment. Like there's just certain spots where he could be as great as he can be, but as an outside only guy who doesn't create a ton of separation, if he doesn't have a quarterback, a la C.J. Stroud throwing him the ball, I'm not saying he's going to bust. I really am not. I said a rich man's George Pickens. George Pickens had a hundred and some odd targets. He was great. Like this kid's going to be great. But what if Malik Neighbors is that like next elite guy? And I I see it. It's possible. So I'm going to be really really happy pushing the button for Malik Neighbors this uh, th- this off season. And I hope I'm not wrong about this very very strident. No, take. I think I think um I think it's a sharp take, man. Um. I started, you know, digging to the rookies recently, like you. I mean, you're a bit ahead of me, um, but started digging in, checking out some of that data that, you know, Wiz Wiz, Wiz sent over to us. So shout out to, to 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 Wiz. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like looking at just just looking at anatomy, looking at our you know our model. Um, I mean, they stack up pretty well against each other. I mean, just looking at just numbers, yes. production, just anatomy wise, they they're very very similar. Uh, in terms of like just overall anatomy, we don't yes. have the whole picture yet of the anatomy yet. I mean, we have like some new data points right. we're adding in, so we don't have all those po- data points yet. Um, but I think I think what you're saying is right, honestly. Like I, you said it in the chat earlier, and it kind of got me thinking. And I was like, you know what? Like Marvin Harrison is is amazing. He's elite prospect. He's awesome, right? Awesome. Like, there's no question about it. He has a pedigree. And I even said, like, I, I kind of give the nod to him and pedigree in the chat. And then I started thinking about it more. And it's been, like, you know, almost a full day since I, I said that. And I started to think, like, what you're saying is, like, he's a contested catch savant. He has amazing body control. You know, he'll just go up and get it. Like, he's not open, but he'll just still get it. He's still catching the ball. He's DeAndre Hopkins. But you make a good point. If the, if the ball can't get to him, 
that's an issue. Like, that's a big problem. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit. I'm not saying that they're the same player, but like a Terry McLaurin, like he's he's like an outside guy, like kind of a throwback, had shitty quarterback play for the longest time. And he's had some good years, but he's kind of just stuck. You're yeah. just like, come on, Drake London. It's like, come on. You know, Malik Neighbors, he's like right, Justin Jefferson. Right. I mean, he's taller than like a Tyreek Hill, but the way you just, yeah, CD yeah, like Lamb the way you describe him though, yeah, yeah like explosive, right? Like I could just blow the top off of the defense yeah. or I could just, you know, break the break the game. I can like literally shift the whole field in a second. Um, so that like that X factor to me is so appealing. I mean, the way you described it, and I don't, I haven't watched any of the film, so, you know, I, I haven't seen that. But if you're telling me that's the case, yeah. and then the metric. Well, yeah. well, let me give you, let me give you, let me give you a, let me give you a stat because there was one metric that we were looking at. Um, it's yards after catch per reception. Yards after catch per reception. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yards after catch per reception was six point four. Uh, where's Malik Neighbors? Malik Neighbors, six point six. So they're both pretty close. It's not like one is, um, you know, so far ahead. Missed tackles forced um, per reception. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, 7%. Um, Malik Neighbors, like 33%. Like, that's one of the ones. Missed tackles forced per reception was was a big one. And you kind of see that on film. You do see some run after catch from from – Harrison, but you know, th- that can be a little bit deceiving. Obviously, if you catch a ball and you're just gone, you're gone. But a lot of times Malik is like making guys miss to get his yards after catch. Um, so so that actually rings true. They're both unbelievable, though. Like they're when you start talking about like what they've put on on tape, it's unbelievable. You know, even the A dot, Marvin Harrison, 13.1. You'd think, oh, Malik Neighbors must be longer. He's not, he's 12.2. So they're both really, really good. You know, you talk about, um, you know, yards, uh, yards per route run um, against man and zone. They're both elite. Like, you know, yards per route run. I mean, if you're if you're like anywhere over three, you're amazing. You know, I mean, we, we look at it like, you know, even two and a half and above. You know, Quentin Johnson was like two six last year. You know, um, Malik Neighbors is uh, against man is three point two two against zone. He's four point four two. And, you know, you see a lot of that. He'll just run across zones and just catch the ball in between guys, make a guy miss and be gone. Like, that's kind of, you know, what I'm saying is like, he just, he just does that. Um, you know, when you look at um, Marvin Harrison Jr. in that same, you know, he's just not quite as good. He's 3.03 and 3.51 there. But both of those, all of that data is elite across the board for both of them. Sometimes though, you see a little bit of that you know, the, the, the extra yard per route run and the extra, you know, making guys miss in open space is what he does a little bit better, but he does everything else really good too. It's not like he's just, you know, Quentin Johnson, so to speak, where it's like, you know, he's only making guys miss every once in a while. No, no, he's doing all the other things. He's super fucking fast too. Uh, very, very, you know, deadly, you know, streaking down the field. He just, he seems to run away from guys. So, yeah, I think both guys are just really, really elite wide receiver prospects is the way I'm – I guess I'm framing this. And for someone to say, you know, they'd slam Marvin Harrison over Malik Neighbors, I think that's where I get a little bit weird. What I will say, though, is I am drafting Malik Neighbors 
over Brock. Oh, hundred percent, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, book that. Book that. Book that for sure. Book that. Oh, and then and then yeah, the extra y- yard per route yeah. run, right? The extra year, right? Like just a little bit younger. Um, you know, just like I think yeah. I think those are the small things that we're gonna probably look at and make that final determination is. I mean, like we said, the anatomy, the metrics are very similar, all elite, right? Neighbors has the edge in some, maybe Harrison has an edge in a couple. And all ultimately, it's going to come down to like some of these like final factors, right? Yeah, landing, spot, landing you know? spot. Yeah, landing spot. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of those things can definitely, you know, swing it a little bit. I mean, you know, I think Ray G asked me last week, what if, you know, Neighbors goes to the Chargers <laughs> and, you know, Marvin the Patriots I'm like don't fucking don't do any of this this weird sorcery on us don't do this so but yeah that that those types of conversations will happen you know um in terms of Brock Bowers I I suppose I ought to hit this before we before we exit um I had a I guess a Twitter argument I don't know something with uh with Mr. Gattieri about tight ends blocking and I, I I feel like I mentioned it and said it in a way that was clear enough to understand, but basically tight ends are, are, are dependent upon the role they play. And Andrew Cooper, I, I sort of tagged him to get involved in the conversation because I wasn't really, you know, I know Gattieri can be a little bit of a, you know, uh, I don't know how to say it, but you know, he, he sort of talks down when he talks. And so he's like trying to be a little bit smarter than he is and uh, talking about it. And I brought Andrew Cooper in cause I think he's really, you know, level-headed about it all and, and and did split the difference between us, which I thought was helpful because I'm not trying to have an argument. I'm trying to have a conversation. And I think that's what people are uh, looking for on Twitter uh, a bit more. But I thought the take, it was very simple. It's like, you know, the way that you are utilized in the NFL dictates when you're on the field. And when you're on the field, the way that you're able to perform dictates what the defense does. And one of the mic drop moments that Wiz mentioned was, you know, one, you know, one tight end when he's, you know, when Kyle Pitts lines up at, I said this on a show earlier, when Kyle Pitts lines up at tight end on the line, hand in the ground, they can put number 32 on him. You know, they can p- bring in a fucking safety and be like, yeah, you're not blocking anybody, motherfucker. So we're ready to cover you. If you, if you leak out, we've got a coverage guy on you. And if, if you run, I'm not scared of your punk ass blocking. Whereas, even guys, and he brought up PFF grades, even guys, look, Kyle Pitts, by the way, second lowest PFF run grade at the tight end position. So awful, awful run blocking according to one thing, but it's also according to his coaching staff because he never fucking lines up in line. You know, he doesn't line up in line and run block. Why not? Probably because he's not good at it. And people go, what do I give a shit if he line, if doesn't line up inside and run block? Well, there's a couple things. Number one, someone had mentioned too. Oh, they ran around on the same percentage of their team's pass attempts. It's like fair enough. That's that's fair enough. Okay, you know he's running routes, but he's also running routes as a wide receiver against better coverage players. So therefore, he's not going to be creating mismatches as often because he's not able to put pressure on the defense in a way that even mediocre run blockers can. Because if a mediocre, middle-of-the-road run blocker, if you want to call Laporte that, I think he's better than that. But he's also blocking number 52, not number 32 like Pitts. But when he moves inside and starts to run block, they have to devote a heavier player, 
a 52 instead of a 32 to, to cover him. So when there is play action or if he decides to go out on a pass route, he's got a, a worse coverage player covering him, giving him an easier time getting open and creating a big play. So if if Kyle Pitts were a devastating blocker, he'd be fucking Rob Gronkowski. But he's not because he isn't. Rob Gronkowski was a great receiver. Yes, of course. But do you know how many times he was torturing someone both ways where they didn't know what to do? The defense was like, all right, put the big guy in. And then he'd scorch past him. All right, put the little guy in. And he'd just fucking throw him to the ground and then block some other dude. Like he creates mismatches where you have to devote so much to him that it's 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 maddening. That is where I'm just saying with Brock Bowers, I'd like to see what type of blocker he is. I have not done the film work on him. I have done enough work where I see him as one of the best players I've ever seen in space at the tight end position as a prospect. I mean, dude can fucking straight rip it. And he he's he's great after the catch too. You talk about Malik Neighbors, this guy, boy, oh boy, is he is he special. The question is, are we dealing with another, <coughs> excuse me, Kyle Pitts? Or are we dealing with an Evan Ingram? Uh, and when I say Evan Ingram, I mean as a blocker. I mean, remember how good Evan Ingram was too. You know, what are we dealing with as, in terms of a prospect? And I think it's important to understand so that you know what you're getting into when you push draft for Brock Bowers. If you're thinking of the ceiling and this amazing player and he's only playing slot for a team that doesn't throw a lot, well, that's a fucking problem. Uh, hope yeah, I man. That right. uh, think, I actually John? only have one question. I think, I think you're spot on, but I just have a question. One last question before we get out of here. Um, I know it's getting late. Um, you're talking about, you know, you're back and yep. forth with uh, Gautieri. So did the self-proclaimed guru um, yeah. actually have an original take? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. No. If he, he you know, he, yeah, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We will leave it at that. We will. Won't we? Yeah. We will leave it at that. I, I, we'll leave it at that. Eyes wide open is all I'm saying. You know, it's all good. It's all good, man. I, I hope everybody, I hope everybody gets their chance to do what they're happy doing. And, and God bless you. God bless everybody. I'll tell you, um, speaking of people who are getting a chance to do what they really want to do, we've uh, we brought in some amazing players. I, I, I'd be remiss not to shout out some more. If you could do, do me a favor and shout out a couple of the, the new guys, not just the Wiz and Trav, but some of the other gentlemen that we've brought on the team recently that have yeah. done some cool work. Uh, maybe even the guy who wrote a cool article about uh, buys, uh, you know, like Kendra Miller. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we got we added definitely, um, you know, a bunch of people. We're, we're really growing over here at the Undroppables. Uh, you know, shout out to Joe Kuvitakis. He actually, yeah, he wrote the uh, buy sell article. Uh, you know, shouting out Kendra Miller. Um, we got a, we got a few chefs uh, in the building now. Colt Colt Snowdy, uh, Mike Mike Grindberg has joined the team. We got a coder. Shout out to Jay FF Coder. Um, he's gonna be building some really cool shit with Wiz. Uh, we got you know people writing college and Debbie. Shout out to Sean Thomas. Um, just going down the list, you know we got so many uh, Trav. Obviously, I mean yeah. I'd be remiss not to shout out Trav. Uh, EK, right? EK coming in uh, with Devi Dose and yeah. Kyle. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, <laughs> what a coup for for all of us. Um, 
you know, Luke, Luke, um, you know, he's, he's actually someone I just talked to today. He just wrote an article. Um, you know, I want to shout out Luke as well. I, so I actually messed up. Joe Kumitakis, he wrote um, the uh, Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl, Looking Back, Looking Forward, Senior Bowl article. Yeah, yeah. Luke, oh, Luke yeah, yeah, yeah. Schnur, he's actually the one that wrote the uh, buy sell. So my, my fault on that. Uh, but shout out to him. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Biggs. I think I shouted him out. Marcus, um, you know, he's doing some of the injury stuff that, you know, we've been doing. Uh, and then last one, Abe, of Abe. course, Abe, you know, he's been, he's been with us for a while, but I want to shout out Abe. Uh, D- yeah. I want to shout him out just because he's yeah. done a cool show. I mean, he's leading up. Uh, we're going to do some more um, team stuff, which I think is fucking fun as hell. We're trying to get, as a matter of fact, call to action. If you want to do a, t- a show, if you think you're, you got what it takes to do a show like um, like for your team, like a New Orleans Saints show or like a Arizona Cardinals show, uh, it can be YouTube. It's probably going to be YouTube and, and podcast we're doing. Um, Abe was st- sort of starting it off with doing some uh, New York Jets stuff. We've got a couple other teams that that we've got already sort of spoken for. But if you if you're a you know an absolute fan and you've got a, a you know the ability or you're already doing a show but you've got no place to put it, put it on the Undroppables Network. Hit me up. Um, actually, hit the uh, hit the DM on the Undroppables uh, feed. That way you hit us all. Right? What's a um, at the undroppables on uh, on Twitter, uh, just DM us there. Yep, absolutely. Just DM us. Um, you know, speak to Abe, uh, DFS Docket. Um, you know, we love to we love to have you and and support you on our platform. And um, you know, we got we got to let the people know. Um, you know, one of one of the OGs has come home. Uh, shout out to Chef Beezy coming back. Uh, and he's never left. So like yeah. like you know, let's not let's not um get twisted. He never That's left. Right. Uh, you know, he had a lot of things going on, you know, really getting his career going outside of fantasy world. Um, but he's back, uh, ready, ready and hungry to put out some really good content. He's already started doing that, putting me on, putting me on blast for some Miles standards takes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so good to see BZ back and yeah, yeah we're still yeah. growing. We got, we got a lot of people, um, that we're still talking to a lot of good things happening. Yeah. I got a lot of other bridges we want to build because, you know, we, we, we love doing it with others and you know, this whole thing is a lot more fun when when there's a group of us all pulling on the same rope and creating different content, having a, a lively group chat and all that sort of stuff is a lot of fun. And, you know, so it, it, it look, if you feel like you can contribute in some way, whether honestly, whether it's even, you know, editing, producing video, uh, all of it, whatever it is, man, you know, you want to you want to see what we're all about. Hit us up. You know, we'll uh, we'll talk to you about what we do and what we can you know teach you, whether it be in, in production or you know, maybe you can, maybe you can learn how to, how to edit and do it. Um, you know, there's so much stuff we can do, uh, that we can help you with, or, or, or you can help us with, or, you know, just be part of a cool team and, and, and contribute in the ways that you can, whether it be writing or video work, all of it, man, it's a lot of fun. We, we are always looking for like-minded people and <laughs> quite frankly, different-minded people to, to join the team and, and challenge us. So we love it. Um, with all that being said, anything else? No, that's it, man. Um, you know, thanks for having me on. You know, it's always yeah. fun. Um, we're going to be talking again here in a couple of days, um, you know, over with Heath. Um, so that should be fun. Um, yeah, looking yeah. forward to Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. What We're doing, uh, what's that, on uh, yeah, yeah. Tuesday? CBS, CBS Sports, man. We're going in, man. CBS Radio. Huh. 8 a.m. on uh, 8 a.m. West Coast. <laughs> what the fuck, man? This is bullshit, man. 8 a.m. I'm not even going to be awake at 8 a.m. I'm, I'm, I mean, what am I? I'm going to part my hair and shit. Listen, <clears throat> 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. 
we're gonna be doing uh Heath Heath Cummings show um on CBS Sports. Well, it will be fun. Me and Chalk. You'll you'll be able to see Chalk's pretty face too. Um and then uh I'm doing um Andrew Cooper's show next week. And of course I have Thor Nystrom on the show next week. Um and John Lobb the week after. Oh my God. This is just the greatest. So look. Thank you guys so much. Love the fact that you guys are listening. Love the fact that you guys support the show. Um, And uh, with all that, on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, and on behalf of the greatest podcast producer the land has ever known, Mr. Michael P. Duncan, you have been joined by the shock. I Jax Falcone and we are out.